All right, welcome back to Podcast Recovery, everyone. We are your hosts, David O. And Eric V. Today we are joined by our very special guest, Chris K. What's going on, guys? How are you doing today, so, man? Good, good. How about yourself? Doing well, man. All right. Glad, good, glad yeah. to finally get you on here. Took, what, th- three, four chances? Dude, it, yeah. took, it took a while, it, man. It took it a little, took a little while. while. I think it was three. Three chances. Yeah. Three chances. Third time's yeah. a charm. Perfect. That's it. That's it. Uh, where are you originally from? So I'm originally from uh, Arnold, Maryland, right outside of Annapolis. Okay. Nice. Uh, when were you first introduced to recovery? I was first introduced back in, I want to say it was like August 2009. All right. All right. Yep. And uh, how long have you been clean? Uh, three years. All right. Yeah. And wh- what's your clean date? Uh, December 15th or December 17th, 2015. Nice. So you just celebrated three years? Yep. Congra- yep. Congratulations, brother. Thanks, guys. It's big Thank shit. You. Um,. Yeah, without for further ado, I'm going to turn it over to you. Share your story with us, brother. Sure. All right. Well, um, so, like, I, I, you know, I had a decent childhood. You mm-hmm. know, um, I, I say it's decent uh, compared to, like, some of the families I've met in this process. You know, I had a father, you know, um, that always took care of me. You know, I had a mother. I, I didn't meet her until I was probably about 10 years old. Um, you know, I grew up with different stepmoms in my life, you know, and so my dad was like the one person that was like my best friend, my rock, the one person that never left my side. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, at 14 years old, um, my house was raided. My father was locked up from a meth lab in the backyard. Oh shit. Yeah, man. And so it was like the first time a gun was ever pointed in my face. And like, I'm not saying like, I don't know. I don't know what stemmed from me being an addict. I know like even before that happened, like. My drug of choice was attention. Mm-hmm. You know, I remember, like, as a kid, waking up my father, star 69 in his phone. And, like... Oh, um, that dated you. Yeah, star yeah, 69. Yep. Holy yeah, shit. Yep. And, uh, you know, to, and I would call his phone from that and um, to try to wake him up, you know, because I wanted somebody to play with, you yeah. know. And, um, you know, but um, but after that happened, man, you know, um, I started acting out in school, um, mm-hmm. started getting suspended a lot, and oh, then yeah. um, two years later, I was at my third high school, living in uh, Carroll County, and uh, living with my biological mom, who told me it was okay for me to smoke weed and drink, and mm-hmm. that's that's really where it started, man, you know, and um, and what started is like social acceptability turned into something like that 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 I would never imagine happening. You know, I found acceptance through through using and um, and mm-hmm. especially with my mom. You know, what I mean, like my mom said it was okay, so I did it. You know, and what started I was like just smoking weed, drinking, turning into pills, then the coke, and then uh, by yes. senior year of high school, man, like you know, I, I was doing coke and pills almost every day. Mm-hmm. Do you remember your first drink? I do. N- no, 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 I don't. Wow, no. But I, but I do remember what happened on the night. Like I don't remember the first drink that I had, but I do remember mm-hmm. the night that I did get drunk for the first time. Um, I remember this walk up to uh, the sheets near where I lived, yep. and uh, I just remember stumbling throughout the alley trying to get sheets to get some food. And um, good times, yeah. <laughs> um, but um. You know, by senior year of high school, you know, like, I knew I had a problem. Mm-hmm. That was pretty apparent. Like, um, there was no denying that fact. And so I went ahead and joined the military. And, Which branch? Uh, Army. Nice. Yep. And uh, two and a half years later, I was being discharged out of the Army um, because of my drug use. And uh, when I got home, it wasn't, hey, Mom, how are you doing? I've missed you. What's new? It was, uh, Mom, can you get me some Coke? Ooh. And, like... The night that I got relieved of duty and was able to be picked up and go home, um, I was smoking crack my mom on the drive home. And um, I was, like, off to the races from there. Was it easy to get drugs in the Army? Yeah. Really? Yeah, it was. Where, yeah. were, you, where were you stationed? Especially pills. Um, so, I mean, I was all over. Um, you know, I went to basic training in Fort Knox, Kentucky. Mm-hmm. Then from there, I went to... Aberdeen Proving Grounds, Maryland. Mm-hmm. Then I went to Camp Dodge, Iowa. Mm-hmm. Then um, I went to D.C. for a little while. And then um, then I was stationed at uh, right right in Reisterstown, actually. Oh. Um, oh, well. Camp Frederick, I think that's what it was called. Pills are everywhere in Maryland, so. That's right. it. Yeah. And um, so then when I went back home, it was uh, still ways and means to get more. And then um, probably about two years later, um. 
you know, we, we were evicted at this point. I was living in Tawny Town. I was being hunted down by the police there for identity theft and identity fraud and, um, and a few other things. I stole um, some people's credit cards and used them at Sheets to buy, like, prepaid cell phone minutes and cigarettes and stuff like that. Wow. And um, so I booked it to Anne Arundel County. My mm-hmm. dad was fresh out of federal lockup. And so, like, when I got to his house, you know, I was like, hey, Dad, like, I need some help. And he's like, man, look, he's like, the only time you've ever been to, you know, to see us is either on your birthday or Christmas. Mm-hmm. Like, we don't want you here. Ooh. And, you know, as a good addict, like, I'm not going to, you know, take no as an answer. Like, look, man, like, I'm your son. You need to help me. Yeah. You know, if you didn't leave me, like, if you didn't do what you did, I wouldn't be in the situation that I'm in. Oh, you know yeah. what I mean? So, uh, so we said in order to live there, I needed to get um, help through a uh, institution, and then from there, like I got introduced to a twelve step fellowship, mm-hmm. and um, and when I came in, like you know, I, I just went to meetings, I just got my slip signed, and that was it. Yeah, um, I didn't get a sponsor, t- didn't take no suggestions, didn't really even want to get clean for real. Um, you know, I was still in that denial. I didn't know whether I was an addict or not, and I would introduce myself as one to try to fit in. Mm-hmm. You know. And, um, so, uh, so from there, man, uh, after I got slips, you know, no longer need to be signed, I did what I did, did best was just to use. And, mm-hmm. uh, you know, and that went on for another six months. And, um, you know, when I claimed false clean time, um, you know, uh, you know, uh, I claimed six months clean. I had a sponsor working dishonest steps, um, yeah. had his home group, was stealing from the home group. Um, you know, after six months of doing that, man, like you're that I, guy. I, I'm that guy, bro. Wow, <laughs> getting high before the meetings. I've always wondered. <laughs> like, like, I was like, did somebody actually steal from that, or is that just like I, an urban legend in the meetings? Man, but no, I you're, was, the, you're that fucking guy. I, I was that guy, man. Nice, <laughs> you know. And um, you're a dick, no. uh, dude, without a <laughs> doubt, bro. <laughs> and what's crazy is because, like, you know, once I did finally surrender, mm-hmm. um, after six months of doing that, like. What I'd like to tell you is that, like, once I finally got clean and, um, like, everything changed. But yeah. that's not my story. Mm-hmm. My story is, like, my entire first year, I still stole from almost any meeting that I go to. Um, I stole from every job that I worked for. I mm-hmm. lied to every single person that I came into contact with. Um, you know, I, I was still portraying, like, crackhead behaviors just not smoking crack you know yeah. what i mean and and that's one of the things man where they say like you know applying the principles you know what i mean you can read about it you know you can listen to other people's experience about it but like you'll never be able to experience the life of practicing principles until you choose to experience it yeah and so um but like i managed to stay clean throughout my first year and then um and then after that man um i found it no longer acceptable to be stealing i found it no longer acceptable to be lying and um was there like a certain circumstance that actually like precipitated that? Yeah, yeah, I was working my fourth step. No. And uh and I That'll saw the it. same behaviors that how I was using was the same way that I was living clean. Mm-hmm. And uh and that was no longer acceptable to me anymore. Um you know, I got sick and tired of being sick and tired. And so like I started applying these principles in my life, man, and like, you know, my life changed, you know what I mean? And like throughout the years, like, you know, being clean, like I had amazing opportunities happen to me. Um, you know, like uh like I started becoming a um you know, com- you know, circuit convention speaker. Um I was speaking at conventions, uh speaker jams, um, you know, and doing the whole, you know, rigmarole of that, you yeah. know, and then uh and then also, like, you know, my mother died as a direct result of her actions from this disease. Um, you know, my little sister was locked up, facing 20 years in prison. Um, my brother went missing. You know what I mean? I had, like, a bunch of stuff that went on. And, um, but, like, no matter what, did not use. Mm-hmm. And then uh, when I was coming up five years clean, a few of my friends decided that they um, that they wanted to go back out and drink. Mm-hmm. And now, see, I got clean when I was 20 years old. So, mm-hmm. like, this this, this was new for me. You know yeah. what I mean? I was like, oh, man, like, you know, I mean, all of us have been clean for so long now. Yeah. Like, um, like I'm wondering if, you know, I'm wondering if it's okay now. Like, I've worked all the steps at T- this point. Taking your will back. And exactly. Mm-hmm. But see, now, here's, here's the kick. Like, in the literature, it states that, like, it doesn't say, like, drinking alcohol has go- caused a great man to relapse. It just says thinking of alcohol as different from other drugs. Mm-hmm. And so it's like, 
just thinking about it and not being honest when like when yeah. I was sharing and I was afraid to tell people that like hey like you know I have this amount of time I've worked this amount of steps and now I want to use and um I was too embarrassed to come in and tell people and you know and you know, so I went ahead and had that drink, and and to me it was like, well, it'll be different this time. It's not like I'm smoking rocks, but I went ahead and had that drink. Mm-hmm. But the same consequences of smoking rocks happened because like the girl was gone, the dog was gone. Um, I, I lost my job because I started stealing again. Mm-hmm. Um, and I started lying to everybody, and then uh, and then the car was repossessed, and then I was facing homelessness again. And then because now I'm caught back up in this grip of this disease, I'm telling myself, you know what? It's not that bad. And mm. um, Just because it's alcohol? D- d- no, it ended up stemming a lot more than that. Oh, okay. Yeah. And, um, but, like, you know, my, my, my disease started running rampant, man. And, um, and then uh, somebody in the rooms gave me a shot working for them. And we were at Home Depot one day about to get into a fist fight over my attitude, pretty much. <laughs> and, um, and as he was about, as it, like, it was about to go down, man, and yeah. uh, in the middle of Home Depot, and he stopped himself. And he's like, dude, who are you? Mm. Like, I don't even recognize you. And so instead of going to the job site, he took me to a meeting, and uh, he kept on doing this every single day until I finally got clean. Hmm. And, uh, you know, and that's uh, December 17th, 2015. And, um, you know, when I came back in, like, you know, I was gripping my seat. You know, I was calling people out of meetings. I was disrupting meetings. I was not okay in my own skin. I was finding any excuse for you guys to tell me, like, I'm no longer welcome here. You had your shot. You're done. And, um, but that never happened. Instead, like, I remember going to this meeting, like, I was, you know, probably a week clean, and, um... This guy, he had a mental illness, and he was talking to himself, and um, and it was distracting me. And because now, I'm, you know, this self-centered, self-absorbed guy, yeah. I'm not okay with this. And so, like, I started throwing chairs at this guy in Ooh. the middle of a meeting, and um, and I actually was asked to leave. And um, you know, and I went to You're a that dip- guy too. Yeah, I'm that guy too. Oh man. my god! I'm telling you. I don't know uh, anybody that ever been like. <laughs> no, no, I do remember at the midnight meeting. Dude was severely fucking drunk. And, it was that bad, huh? Yeah, we were, and he like had the bottle on him. Oh and shit! And he fell out of his chair straight onto his face, and we were like, "Dude, you gotta go." Because it was like early yeah. recovery, young people's meeting, and we were like, "You, you gotta leave." Absolutely. Oh man. Yeah, man. Yeah, because there comes a point where it's like you know you're putting not only other people but also the meeting place in jeopardy. Yeah. You know, and um. You know, so uh, so once that happened, I went to a different meeting, and um, and when I got there, you know, the the, the speaker, I walked in, and the speaker was saying, I swear to God, this this is like my God moment for me. Like I walked in, and uh, the guy's like, you know what, like you know, this is the only place where you can act a fool, and people will still tell you to keep coming back. Yeah. And um, and man, like after that, I realized you guys weren't going to throw me out, so I stopped acting out. And then, like you know, I got my life back on track. Got a got, got a job, got a car, and uh, started you know maintaining this social acceptability and mm-hmm. responsibility um, uh, of being a human being again. And so, um, about eight months clean, I was working for this construction company, and I fell off this roof. I landed on my feet and broke my lower back, uh, paralyzing me from the waist down. Ooh. And um, by the time that I got the shock trauma, you know, my sponsor was there, um, my friends were there, my family were there. And uh, the next day, uh, the doctors were telling some of my closest friends that there was no guarantee of me ever walking again. Mm-hmm. And uh, when this happened, man, like, you know, I didn't want to use, I just wanted to die. Um, I didn't find that there was any purpose in me living if I couldn't walk. Um, yeah. You know, as I'm an active snowboarder, skateboarder, um, you know, very active person. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I did stuff like the warrior dash, you know what I mean? So I was like very, very active and, Mm -hmm. um, you know, and I remember, uh, going up to New Jersey and, uh, this woman called me and she's like, Chris, when's the last time you prayed? And I'm like, I I looked at her, yo, I looked at her, you know, and I mean, you know, like in in my mind, you know, she called me up, but I like, you know, looked at her in my head. I was like, you know, do you see what type of position I'm in right now? Yeah. You know what I mean? Like. Who, like, why would I yeah. pray to a God that put me in this situation? Yeah, like, who the fuck do you think you are exactly. asking me that question right now? Exactly. And, and then she says, well, can I pray for you? 
I said, sure. So yeah. she says this very sweet, serene, very spiritual prayer. Like, I was crying. I swear to God, I'm not a bitch. You would have been crying, too, if you were the oh, character. Dude, I cry you know all the time. I'm a 100% crier. Yeah, Eric man. knows it. Yeah, he cries. Thanks. He cries. Thank you. <laughs> it's a good cosign. Yeah, man. And, um, you know, and she said, now it's your turn. She's like, whatever you do, just be honest. Mm. I was like, all right. So, um. You want God like fuck you? This isn't fair, you know. Um, mm. You know why me? I was doing really good, like you know, and I was started cussing, cussing him out and calling him every name in the book. Yeah. And, uh, and at the end, I thought she was going to be like, "That's not how you pray." Yeah. But what she said was good. Hmm. Now keep saying that prayer every single day. And so, like, I I went to bed cussing God out, and I woke up cussing God out. Yeah. You know what I mean? And that's how yeah. my days went. And then, uh, and then one day, I remember waking up, man, and like that anger and that hatred was gone. And uh, and instead, it was place. You know, my prayers started changing. It was no longer like, "Poor me, why me? Why did this happen to me?" It was like, "Okay, God, so this happened. So what's the game plan now? Mm-hmm. Like, what am I supposed to do now?" Yeah. And um, and, you know, and, and it changed into like a level of acceptance. And, um, you know, you, you've probably like heard like the five stages of grief and everything. Like, yeah. did you like fully like, was that like the case? Was there like anger? What? Eric probably knows all of them. Was it anger? I can't think of them. It was like resentment. Denial. Denial. Denials in there. Like, did it, like all that go through your head? Mm, not, not really. I mean, well, I, I guess, I guess you could say so, mm-hmm. you know, but it happened really fast. Yeah. You know, um, but even like today, like, so, you know, when I came back, you know, I, I dove into physical therapy, mm-hmm. um, you know, I went back to in, in, in the meetings. I was the only guy in my area in a wheelchair. Mm-hmm. I felt different. I felt, you know, different and less than other people. But like, no matter what, like I did not use, I just went to meetings and uh, stuck close to my friends. And like, that was the coolest thing. Like my friends never treated me any different. Like yeah. they didn't look down on me. They didn't, um, you know, they didn't squat down to talk to me. They yeah. didn't, you know what I mean? And, and they didn't talk to me differently. They, they acted like, you know, I was still walking. And even like some of them like made fun of me. You know what I mean? Like, you know, this guy can't work a ladder. You know what I mean? Oh. And, um, you know, like, oh, it looks like you can't stand up for what you believe in. <laughs> you know what I mean? So, but, like, that's the stuff that I needed. You know yeah. what I mean? Like, I needed, you know, I really wanted to feel a part of, and, like, that was the stuff that made me feel a part of. Mm-hmm. Like, and I learned to laugh at it. And then, like, you know, so I dove into physical therapy, and then, like, I decided to go back to school and get get a degree. And then, mm-hmm. um, and then like, where I'm at today, man, it's like, um... You know, I'm, I'm walking, I'm snowboarding, you know what I mean? Um, you know, like, uh, like a- everything's good, you know what I mean? Um, you know, I've over three years clean, you know, I have a AA degree, you know, I'm working on my bachelor's degree, um, interning as a project manager assistant, and, um, man, it's just like, you know, like, when, when people say, like, you know, I have a life beyond my wildest dreams, man, I used to hate it, because, like, if you had a life like I had, there's no way your life could be beyond your wildest dreams. Yeah. But, like, I can honestly say, like, just from being patient, and just from, like, trying to just stay in the moment, you know, and, and practicing these principles in all of my affairs, mm-hmm. like, my life is better today, you know what I mean? And, uh, and it definitely wouldn't have been... Definitely wouldn't have been like this if I was still using and this would have happened. Yeah. You know what I mean? I, I can guarantee you that. Um, so that's, uh, I mean, that, that's that's pretty much my story, man. Like, you know, I have a dog. I'm a dog dad. Nice. <laughs> you know what I mean? Dude. Yeah, she's she's actually out in the car right now. Um, what kind of dog? A golden doodle. Oh. Yeah, man. Yeah. Half she's, golden retriever, half poodle? Yep. Yeah, nice. cutest dog in the world, man. Cutest dog in the world. Yes, you blasted on <laughs> Facebook. Are yeah, you, you already yeah, know. I already you know. already know. I already know. You're yeah, she, that she's dog. like, she's a model, man. She's awesome. And, um, man, but like, you know, uh, throughout this process, like, you know, one, one of the biggest things that I can say to anybody is that, like, I never know what life is going to bring. But I yeah. do know that, like, if I stay in this process, even if I can't see what's going to happen, as long as I stay in this process and have faith, then, like, this too shall pass. It will get better. It mm-hmm. might not be the way that I might, you know, might yeah. not want it. But, like, the reality is a lot of us miss the biggest blessings in our life because they're not in the packages that we expect them to be in. Mm-hmm. You know, and, um, you know, my life is, so, like, you know, this injury ha- was probably the best thing to ever happen to me. 
It humbled wow. me a lot. Um, it humbled me a lot. Oh, and, yeah. Uh, you know what I mean? And and I wouldn't be the person I am today with with, with without this twelve step fellowship that, that I'm in and uh and you know, my experiences that, that I've experienced clean. Mm-hmm. You know. Wow. That's that's amazing. Yeah, I mean. Um Do you want do you have some questions, Eric? Or do you wanna go, go f- do you wanna go first? Do you want David? me to start? All right. Um All right, like me personally as an addict, like we all like we're human beings, like life is gonna happen. Like what we talk about in recovery is life on life's terms and dealing with life on life's terms. Absolutely. Sometimes like I've never had that difficult of a scenario necessarily. Like some of them have been more psychological or emotional. Um sometimes I have trouble with and I've seen other people struggle with uh how they approach those different obstacles in life. And sometimes like I want to sit in my shit where there's sometimes during that injury and during that recovery process that, um, your perception of it changed. Like where sometimes where were you just like, fuck it, I'm not, I don't want to do it today. And then other times were you more motivated? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, that's, that's still the same way sometimes today, mm-hmm. you know, like, um, like I wear an ankle brace on my left leg mm-hmm. and, um, because I've dropped foot in it, and uh, and even sometimes today, like I'm like I don't want to go to physical therapy. Like mm-hmm. I don't feel like it, or like in the mornings, like I feel like an old man because I like I have to stretch my legs in the morning. Mm-hmm. And some days it pisses me off. Some days I'm like, dude, like I wish that didn't happen. You know what I mean? And sometimes I get ungrateful for like the process I you know that I've made. You know, and uh, but even in the journey that that got me up to here, absolutely, dude. Like um, I didn't want to drive to Baltimore to physical. therapy. Therapy. I mm-hmm. argued with my physical therapist. Mm-hmm. Um, I felt like uh, like they weren't trying enough, you know, and uh, or like or sometimes I was self sabotaging. You know what I mean? Yeah, there, there was definitely a lot of you know, uh, you know, quite quite a few periods where I just wanted just to give up. You yeah. Know? Hmm. Yeah. That's like that. Like it, honestly, like seeing your because I've like watched the whole progression yeah. uh, through social media and everything and Mm -hmm. just different um social functions seeing you at and like seeing your progression like it's almost like you've been doing like double duty you've been doing recovery in recovery yeah like on on two different fronts yep um plus going back to school oh that it's amazing yeah um what questions you got eric what you got over there i'll think of some all right. I, don't, I don't write mine down. Well, I'm going to do some stock, too. Um, all right. So first, we'll start in the beginning a little bit. Um, so you used with your mom. Yes. Right? You said that. Um, what, you got kicked out of the military and you mm. guys were smoking crack yeah. on the way back? Yeah. Um, so, you know, I always remember, you know, being younger, you know, mm-hmm. I'm guessing your house was like that house, right? It was that house. Like, yeah. you know, mm-hmm. my ex, one of my ex-girlfriends, that was like her house. Yeah. Like I smoked crack with her, her mom, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? Like not cool, but I did it. Yeah. But like, how did that affect your relationship with your mom? Well, Ooh. um, that, that's a really good question. Um, so because I met my mom at such a older age, you know mm-hmm. what I mean? Like I was 10 years old when I met her, um, she lived in Illinois at the time, so I would go and see her during the summertime and the wintertime. But, like, I didn't fully have any type of, like, strong relationship with my mother until I was about, like, 14 or 15 when she moved to Maryland. And um, and it was always just as a best friendship, you know what I mean? Because in my life, you know what I mean? Just having so many women in and out of my life growing up that, like, I... I'm sorry. I could never... Phone down. Yeah, phone down. Um, I could never trust any, mm-hmm. like, woman like that, you know? And um, and then, so, when we started using together, I found acceptance with my mother through that. and But it was just as a best friend. Like, mm-hmm. I didn't have her as a mother figure. Um, and, 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 that was, and, and that was it, you know? Um, all, all the way up until, uh, until she died, you know? Like, one, one of my biggest things was, like, so she got clean at one point in her life, um... It was literally right before she died. Um, she was uh, clean for two years. 
And then uh, she had court. Um, mm. She was going through some domestic violence at the time. And um, she had court. And so I went up there and stayed the night at her house. And that night, you know, I remember thinking, like, dude, I'm pretty sure, like, my mom's high. You know what I mean? Yeah. But, like... But this is the first time in my life when my mother's finally clean that, like, I didn't want to accept it. You know what I mean? Like, and, and in my mind, I'm like, no, no, no way, no way. No, she's definitely she's definitely clean. But in the, in the back of my mind, like, I knew she was using. Yeah. You know, and I was so afraid to say something because it was like, I finally have a mom. Mm-hmm. You know? And um, two weeks later, you know what I mean? She was, she was dead. But, um, I mean, it, uh, it, it, it was... Uh, just just basically like a best friendship you know yeah. what i mean and uh but like you know he, like sometimes today like i'll go over a grave site and i'll read a letter to her i'll just stop and talk to her and um you know and and always wish that like you know i did have something different you know mm-hmm. what i mean but you know um i guess it you know it is what it is you know what i mean yeah mm-hmm. yeah oh i do i i thought of a question okay. so with your injury did that come with uh Pain management drugs? Yes. Yes. So, yeah. <laughs> Go into that process. All right. You got it. Um, yeah, so when when it happened, you know, um, they were giving me liquid morphine constantly um, mm. throughout the daytime um, and nighttime. And, like, I couldn't fall asleep. I remember, like, you know, I was at the hospital. So when it first happened, I was so drugged up that um, one of my best friends actually teabagged me and took a picture. Oh, God. While I was in the hospital. Bed. What not a dick. Cool. Yep. That's not, not fucking cool. cool. And I didn't believe him. I never believed him until probably about a year ago he showed me the picture. Not cool. What a fucking dick. Yep. And, um, you know, but th- this guy's like my brother today, man. He's like my best friend in the whole wide world. Um and um do i know him uh i'm i'm not sure i'm not uh-huh. sure if you do um but uh but yeah so um you know so you can they, put him on blast for a second <laughs> if you want yeah this guy uh you know, gabe 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 uh, c oh gabe's yeah yeah i know of him. Yep. yeah yeah um you're a dick gabe, <laughs> yeah. gabe people around dick. the world are gonna hear that gabe <laughs> yeah. is a dick Gabe is a dick. Uh, I want to. That actually sounds like a pretty good, like you know, like a T-shirt or yeah. a bumper sticker. <laughs> Gabe is a dick. We can make that. We can make that happen. <laughs> that would be awesome. And um, yeah, so like you know, throughout that process of trying to heal, like I was definitely taking a lot of uh, narcotics um, mm-hmm. for pain management, and as well as like different muscle relaxers and uh, like gabapentin and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and uh, and then while I was doing my physical therapy, um, I noticed that you know I didn't I didn't really like the feeling of being high, um, yeah. but I did not like the pain either that yeah. was shooting through me. So as like the medicines changed, it went from like liquid morphine to oxycodone, and then from oxycodone to you know quite a bit of Percocets, and then like from there, like I just weaned myself down mm-hmm. until like I could just. Like, I could barely manage it, and then I just took ibuprofen from then on. Mm -hmm. Um, Because I wanted to be off of drugs before I came back to Maryland. Yeah. Because I wanted to go to meetings right away. Yeah. So... That that was my process of that, and then when I, when I was back here, like I was still taking gabapentin mm-hmm. um, for my muscles and everything like that, and then uh, and I weaned myself off of that too, and then um yeah, so that, that that's my story with that. Did you ever uh, did you have any like internal struggle with how that fit into like addiction recovery? Um, honestly, not really. And the reason being is like, I've had surgeries clean, you know, I had my appendix, um, appendix taken out. I've had, um, throat surgery before, um, you know, uh, and, and another surgery before. So it's like, you know, I've had surgeries clean. Mm -hmm. And so like, you know, with the pain medication, it didn't really bother me too, too much. Mm -hmm. Um, there were a few times where it did, I did get in my head about it and, um, you know, like I would call up my sponsor and talk to him about it, and I, like right right after the conversation, I felt fine. Yeah, like you know, I got it. Like you know, the reality is like I got clean to get off drugs, but like I didn't get clean to be in pain, and like I was in mm-hmm. physical. And and that's the thing with medication. Like when when whenever people ask me like, well, what's your experience with this? My my biggest piece of advice is self honesty, mm-hmm. and that is the biggest thing because like yep. you know, like 
I'm not a doctor. You know, yeah. I can't tell you if you need meds or not. You know what I mean? But I know for me, like, I had to be very self-honest. If I really needed the medication because I was in that much pain, then I would have to take it. But the biggest thing is, like, you know, because I have something in my head that says, hey, well, I mean, it hurts a little bit. You know what yeah. I mean? Like, you can probably take You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So I have to be very aware and self-aware yeah. and very self-honest about this whole thing. You know, so that's probably the biggest thing with it all. Nice. Back to you, Eric. Cool. Um, all right, so you had five years, yes. right? And you relapsed. Um, <clears throat> so do you believe that your relapse was... How can I say this? Like... Hmm. Okay, so I've relapsed twice, mm-hmm. right? Um, and I believe that both of my relapses were invaluable to be like transform myself into the person I am today mm-hmm. and that I don't think I'd be where I am now sure or be as the person that I am without those relapses and I feel like they were essential mm-hmm. um do you feel like that kind of similar do you feel um, that way like yes that? yes and no mm-hmm. um like it, it's weird like I it, it's that that's like a really tricky subject for me um like, do do I think that it was valuable for me? Absolutely. Um, coming from a place where I could not be honest with anybody anymore, um, I, I made the decision to go back out. Um, and, uh, you know, I came back in. Now, I, you know, I could have, you know, stayed clean if I would have been honest. You know what I mean? Maybe things would have been different. Who knows? But mm. I do know is that when I came back, like, I did something with it. Mm. Um you know, and that and I think that's what separates people who like come in and out, in and out, in and out is because like, you know, relapse is not a process of recovery. Like it's mm-hmm. not a part of it. But it can be somebody's process, just not recovery, but it's somebody's process. Mm-hmm. And um but like, you know, the reality is just what what are you gonna do with your your experience? Yeah. That's like that that's what I you know, think of it all. You know what I mean? So, like, when I came back in, like, no matter what, like, you know, whether I, like, physically grasped my chair, whether I called people out of means, whether I screamed at people, used up the burning desire, whether, mm-hmm. like, whether or not, like, you know, I, I talked to people 3 o'clock in the morning, you know what I mean? Like, um, I made a decision when I came back, like, that wasn't what I wanted. And, mm-hmm. um, you know, and I did something with it, you know. And, uh, and still today, like, it bothers me. You know, like, for example, like... Yeah, and this is, like, ego, probably. Yeah. You know, this guy was like, hey, man, like, you know, uh, New York, you know, is looking for a speaker for one of their speaker jams. You know, like, I'm going to put them your way. I was like, awesome, man. Sounds great. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? He's like, oh, by the way, how much uh, how much time you got now? Um, you know, time I had two and a half years. You mm-hmm. know, this was only, like, six months ago. Yeah. He's like, oh. It's like, they're looking for somebody with at least five years. Mm-hmm. I was like, oh, Okay. And he's like, well, I'll call you back and let you know what's up. And I was like, all right. And he never called me back. Yeah. And let me just tell you, I felt lower than low. I was like, Oof. if I didn't relapse, then I could have been up there. You know what I mean? And that there goes that vicious cycle again. Like, well, if I didn't do this, you know what I mean? And then harboring on that relapse. But, like, mm-hmm. you know, reality is that was my process. And now, like. You know, I you know I, I'm a better person today because of it. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Absolutely, um, I, I believe that. But I don't believe that it needs to be in anybody's story. But um, but I guess like like, like I said, it's just what you do with it. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? Absolutely. There was a stock question that I stole from you, and I forgot what it was. Oh, really? It's been a while. I wrote it down <laughs> right you, here. Now it's all you again. So. um how has addiction manifested itself oh, in your recovery? Oh man! Ah, oh, shoot! How did I not remember that? Um, so I go to an all-black school. Um, yes, you know, all-black college, and I absolutely love it because I am like one of maybe twelve white people that go to this college, and um, you know, and that's where my addiction manifests a lot. Is Did in, you get a minority scholarship for that? No, man. And I was told that I'd be able to, but because I was a transfer junior coming in, uh, it's only available for freshmen. I was uh, like, what? Loophole. Yeah. Dumb. And so um, so I came in, but like, and 
you know, I got a lot of acceptance from people. I made myself known. And, like, my addiction runs rampant in school because, like, you know, it's in the middle of the city, northern Baltimore, and, like, it smells like weed all over the place. Oh, like, yeah. I'll go to I'll go to class, and I'm like, damn, like, that's some really good stuff, you know what I mean? <laughs> and, like, so it runs rampant there. Like, my head's constantly doing, like, you know, a million miles a minute. And then, like, and then not only just that, just, like, my involvement in school, like, being, um, I'm in a student organization. I'm vice president for the student organization. I'm involved with a different organization outside of school, but it is connected to school in some way. Mm-hmm. And I'm involved with that. And then, like, you know, like I'm, I'm saying, like involved, involved to where like my sometimes my life gets unmanageable because of it. Mm-hmm. Um, and like I love doing homework. You know, it's crazy to say now. I never thought I'd ever say that, but like I could do homework all day, all night. Like I love school. Like that. That's probably my drug right there. Mm-hmm. Um, so school's definitely a big part of it. Um, where my disease manifests, and then um, and then late lately, man, it's been um relationships. Mm-hmm. I oh, am yeah. a runner. I am Ooh. a runner. Um, you know, uh, you know, my last relationship, you know, um, you know, I decided that, you know, wasn't what I wanted and, uh, and sure I could have like, you know, stuck it out, whatever, but like, I wasn't feeling it. But like, even before that, you know, any relationship that I've had, like, you know, I've ended it quickly. Um, like I'll leave before you get the opportunity to hurt me, you know, mm. what I mean, type thing. And, you know, and it became really apparent when like one of my best friends says that his new year's resolution for me is for me to stick in a relationship for more than six months. Mm. So, so that, okay. Follow up question. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So why, why do you think you run? Ooh, that's a good question. We're getting the deep tracks here. Um, I got, um, I got okay being by myself. And uh, sometimes I'm not okay with, like, the arguing. Um, when it comes to the arguing and fighting, I think that I am right. And uh, and then so I'm like, well, I don't need this. Like, you know, I'm okay by myself, you yep. know. And um, I'll disregard the entire relationship just to prove a point. And, um, you know, and, uh, and lately, though, lately, though, what, what it all stems from was um, my first love of my life in recovery. Mm-hmm. Um, I had probably nine months clean. I got mm-hmm. involved with a female, and we were together for two years. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, that's not running. Had, no, no, that's not running. First girl I've ever been in a long-term, serious relationship with. Um, we had Is that your f- before the relapse? Yeah, before the okay. relapse. Yeah. And, uh, like, we had the apartment, had the dog, you know, ha- had it all, man. Like, I was mm-hmm. building a life with this girl, um, put a down payment on a ring. Oh. And um, some situations happened, and... Uh, you know, and I was still newer in recovery. I mean, I was like, you know, almost three years clean at the time. And, um, you know, and I decided instead of talking with her throughout this process that she was going through that I was like, no, like, I'm just going to leave. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, and that was like one of the biggest regrets of my life. And in uh, any type of relationship that I've had after that, I've always compared them to her. Oh, and which, you know, and it took a lot of, like, looking through, like, myself to really see that. Because um, I've always wanted something that, like, I had with her. And yeah. so, uh, so, dude, recently, man, um, I will say that uh, she is actually back in my life. Um, That's good. That it was, I haven't spoken to this woman in probably six years. Mm-hmm. And uh, she hits me up randomly, says she got a number from a friend of mine. And congratulated me on three years clean, and we went out on coffee, you know, and, like, the, that flame just sparked again, you know what I mean? It's always been there, but, like... She slid into your DMs. Dude, she slid right into the wow. DMs, bro. And um, and then uh, we actually just had our first date last night, you know what I mean? And, oh, um, very you know, good. So, like, I'm taking it slow, and, like, you know, and I was, you know, I've been keeping some of my friends who have these long-term relationships close by, mm-hmm. because, like, I don't know everything. Like there's like relationships is probably the hardest area of my life Mm. that like I need help with. Mm -hmm. Like financially, I'm good. You know what I mean? I stick to a budget. Credit wise, I'm good. You know, I've gotten help with that. Like school, like any area of my life, I've always gotten help with stuff Mm -hmm. to where to being uh, you know good in those areas. Yeah. So relationships is just the one area that like 
never really asked for help for and like this time like i am so i keep my friends close with what's going on and get their perspective on stuff because mm-hmm. you know i, I don't want to run you know yeah. what i mean yeah yeah so but honestly it's probably it's probably you know because of that and uh and the fact that like i've had multiple mothers in my life yes mm-hmm. um that no no woman is ever stuck around and they're not going to stick around and like i'm not good enough and it brings me back to as a child the same mm-hmm. feelings that like you know, my dad was the only one that stuck around. Like, all these other women, like, they're not going to stick around. Yeah. Like, they don't really love me. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? So, like, you know, it's a lot of, like, mommy issues. You yeah. know what I mean? Yeah. Ladies and gentlemen, Chris K has mommy issues. <laughs> Dude, I, I've always said I, you know? I got daddy issues. Like, yeah. I had the same thing. Yep. Wow. So. Yeah. That's deep. Yeah, man. What else you got, Eric? I can't believe we just talked about that. that well, yeah, I mean, you got to. Oh, we got it. So we're going into more stock questions. All right. And uh, this is one David didn't like the first time I asked. Mm-hmm. But since you're in school yes. and you have a track, I'm going to ask you this question. Um, so in recovery, right, mm-hmm. it's just for today. I don't even sure. remember this question. But in life, we don't have that, you know, I mean, you need to plan, right? Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Like, you don't. You're not like you didn't get into school by just being like just for today I'm going to go to school. Fuck yeah. off! Like That's you had question. to. <laughs> this can fuck right you off. You had to like plan for that. So yeah. where do you see yourself in five years? Oh, okay. Um, I thought it was going to be a completely different question. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like, do you, like, do you have a five year plan? Yeah, where I, do you see no, yourself? I definitely do. I definitely do. Um, my goal in the next five years is um you know in, in the next like year or so I plan on buying a house um like a house in my own name mm-hmm. um I plan on having um uh, like I'm right now I'm starting on different retirement portfolios for myself like a four hundred one k and yeah like, yeah Roth, Roth. I, you know mm-hmm. um you know like you can only pitch in so much for Roth every year you know what I mean so yeah. like I'm planning on having a whole portfolio built um and then uh and then being married and having a kid you know what mm-hmm. I mean. Hopefully with the girl. <laughs> and, uh, you know, man you, just said he was taking it slow if, two minutes if ago. You're listening, <laughs> married, <laughs> married with kids in a house five this years. Is, this bitch. is hey, this on the this, clock. This, this, this is the addict. You know what I mean? Because in my mind, we've already been married. And see, but now you can't tell her about the podcast. She's gonna listen to this shit, and you're gonna scare know. the scare the well, fish luckily, away. Like, luckily, she's not in the, you know she's not in a twelve step fellowship. You know what I mean? She's she's a normie. You know what I mean? So it kind of works out perfect. Yeah, and um. Yeah, man. So that that's pretty much uh, you know graduating with my bachelor's, mm-hmm. you know, um, and then being a uh, and then from being a, an assistant project manager to being an actual project manager. Yeah, and those are probably my biggest things. So of course, like staying clean and um, you know, and uh, that you know, I mean, I, I think those are like probably some of my biggest goals. Yeah, that, that I want. That's awesome. Yep. I have a question. Bringing that up. So this past love interest slash rekindled relationship yeah. mm-hmm. she's a normie my fiance is a normie mm-hmm. she didn't use she smoked she smoked pot three times in her life yeah which yeah. is like so three times three times that was it three yeah. times she smoked weed that was it and she was like yeah i didn't like it first time it made me tired second time it made me hungry mm-hmm. and then the third time i don't even know so i just didn't do it ever again I'm just like, what? Okay. <laughs> now, has there ever been um, sort of a little like push and pull in the fact that they're not an addict? Because I know for me, um, like there's been a couple times, like she's allowed to drink. That's mm-hmm. her shit. Yeah. Uh, like we don't have shit in the house. Mm-hmm. But um, there's been times when she's gone out with her friends and she, she's come back smelling like alcohol and like sure. I felt some sort of way about that. Have mm-hmm. you ever had any sort of situations like that? Yeah, yeah. I mean, um like uh a lot of the relationships in my life has been with people outside of recovery. Mm-hmm. Um you know, I, I just, you know, um I know who I am as a person, yep. you know, and and like what type of mess I came from and trying to, you know, reinvent myself if you will mm-hmm. through you know, through this process and so it's like I've never really wanted to be in a relationship with somebody in the same process um mm. and so um so i've dealt with that quite a few times mm-hmm. um you know but my biggest thing has been because like you know you're in a relationship with somebody you go to different social activities like yeah. you know you know parties or, or or concerts and stuff and people were drinking constantly mm-hmm. and um the only thing that i found is that whenever i have a really big issue with it 
is when I'm not going to many meetings and I'm not like sticking in the basics. Like mm. when I'm slacking on meetings, that's when like my disease gets really rampant and I'm like, well, you know, maybe I can, you know, um, just, just do one or, you know, or even just the thoughts of like, you know, maybe, maybe I, sh- you know, I don't need these meetings anymore. Mm. Or, or if I start lashing out thinking like this is a really big problem, but it's really something that's stemming from me. Yeah. You know what I mean? And now I'm just verbally just, like, going, you know, deflecting on somebody yeah. because something's going on in me. Mm. Um, but for the most part, like, I've never really had an issue with it um, just because, like, uh, it's just not something I want today. Yeah. You know what I mean? And it's something we all have to deal with on it's a daily it. basis because exactly. we in recovery are the minority in the world. Like, everybody else is out drinking. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm a, I go to the Ravens games all the yeah. time. And... Early in recovery, it was it, it was yeah. troublesome. Like, sure, like sure. it was definitely hard to be like, oh man, that that beer looks good. Mm. Like, cause I used to get fucking wasted around yeah. these games, and now I look at it like it's not a problem anymore. And I just look at these people, and like people are just falling down drunk, and it's just like, oh, that's sad. Yeah, man. Yeah, yeah. I, I think the biggest thing I found is like just as long as like communication is there and like mm-hmm. boundaries are set. Yep. Um, because I learned like it is okay to have boundaries. Yeah. Like, 100%. it is not okay for you to be, you know, doing, like, uh, like if, if somebody smoked weed, like, you know, I don't want I don't want you around me. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Um, I don't care if you drink. Just, like, don't do it right in front of me. Yeah. Or don't just get, you know, shit-faced. You know yeah. what I mean? I, that's because I don't like that. You know what I mean? So as long as, like, boundaries aren't crossed, you know what I mean? It's all good. Mm-hmm. Back to you, Eric. Uh, this is my last question. Oh. Um, all right. So, you've worked all the steps, yes. right? Uh-huh. Um, the steps question. The steps question. Mm. So, you can't give us the answer of, you know, all the steps are important, and I like all of them equally. No, I hate that. I yeah. hate when people say that. What's mm. your favorite step? Um, it used to be it used to be the ninth step. Okay. This time around, it was probably the, it was probably the third step and Hey-o. the eleventh step. Okay. Um, being is like you know w- with me like the relationship that I had with you know that I have with the God of my understanding is so important. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and that's why like you know with my sponsees and and people that ask me my experience with it is like you know you believe in something. Mm-hmm. Like you have to believe in just something. I don't care what it is. You don't have to believe what I believe. You know what I mean? Just know it works for me. So if you need to borrow it, you can. You know what I mean? And um, or like when I tell people like when 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 they say their prayers or even just that fox you know foxhole prayer like mm-hmm. God help me, like who are you praying to? You know what mm-hmm. I mean? Like what are you praying to? You know? And so like um, developing that relationship, you know. It was because of my injury, you know, that really brought me to this higher power of mine. Mm-hmm. So, like, the third and the eleventh steps are, like, the probably most important to me. And, uh, yeah, by, by far, probably my favorites. We cool. need we need to keep a tally because like we sort of I say three as well. He says ten. Three is a great step. Ten's just the one I like the best. Mm. I, I, I really thought it, the way I heard that in my mind was like ten is just better, and I was like, "You fucking <laughs> dick, you arrogant dick." Is that? Is that? Did I say that though? No, you, you know, didn't. I'm that's what right. you said in my mind, so I took offense to it. <laughs> you know, I'm living great. I, I can see on paper. Yeah, I did this and this and this and this. I'm yeah, good. Yeah, exactly. I'm living the best life. <laughs> living my best life. <laughs> Follow up question: How did um, your spirituality? Because me personally, I believe that it's it's an evolving process. Mm-hmm. Like if it's sure. a, it, like the same spirituality yesterday is not going to work tomorrow. Absolutely. Um, so how did it change from your first go round to now? Um, so my first go around, uh, I never had like I believe that there was something, but I never developed an actual relationship with it. Mm-hmm. Um, this whole process is all about relationships. Whether yep. it's the twelve step fellowship, like what's your relationship with that? with that like relationship with your friends same Mm -hmm. thing with a higher power like what is like in order for me to have a relationship with something greater than myself like i need to have constant contact Mm -hmm. i need to be relying on that power i need to you know learn how to trust and faith just like i do with like my friends and stuff like if i can talk to them and tell them what's going on i should be able to do the same thing with something greater than myself Mm -hmm. you know and um 
But the first time around, I never had that relationship. Yeah. And I would constantly tell people, like, when I would speak in meetings, I'd like, you know, I would always say, uh, you know, I'd like to thank the God of my understanding for allowing me another day clean. Yeah. But, like, not even having a God of my understanding. Uh-huh. You know, and I would say it because it sounded good. Like the generic Oscar and, speech. Dude, without a doubt, bro. <laughs> I wore that shit out. <laughs> and, uh, and so this time around, it's completely different, man. Like, um, you know, uh, I developed uh, a higher power of my own understanding. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, when I go to a type of institution, you know, for, for, for this higher power, you mm-hmm. know what I mean? And, um, you know, and I'm involved in that place, too. Um, I'm of service for that. And, um, you know, and I, I pray as much. I'm not going to tell you I pray every day because I don't. Yeah, you know no. what I mean? But I do, I do at least, like, you know, a few times a week. Yeah, regularly. You know what I mean? Regularly. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, I have a good relationship. Um, with the God of my understanding, it's cliche as it sounds, but like I, yeah. you know, I really do today. It's, it's completely different. That's awesome, man. Mm-hmm. Um, well, you got any final words for the people out there? I mean, look, man, like, uh, uh, I mean, everybody's got their own story. Mm-hmm. Everybody's unique in their own ways. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, my biggest thing to tell people with my experience, I've learned that life is, life definitely gives and takes, and it's not always personal. Mm. That like, you know, so if you are going through a storm right now, like if you are going through something that you think just maybe, just maybe you can't get through this clean or like, or like you're going through like, you know, some of those like, you know, self-defeating thoughts, um, Mm -hmm. just know that like, you know, if you stick it out, like it will get better. Like, but the biggest thing is to ask for help and reach out and, Mm -hmm. um, and to be open for help. Cause that's one of the biggest things I see constantly is like people ask for help but they don't stay open for the help. Yeah. You know, and so that, that that's my biggest thing. Hmm. Yeah. Fantastic. Cool. cool, cool. Any last words from you, Eric? No, we're good, Ben. I didn't expect so. Yeah. All right. Well, uh, we'd like to thank our guest, Chris, for joining us. Hey. Clap track. <laughs> clap track. It's hey. a terrible clap track. Hey, thank you guys so much for having me on. Yeah, man. Yeah, man. Absolutely. Thanks for coming. Well, here at Podcast Recovery, we are aiming to expand the scope of support for recovering addicts. Accessibility and convenience of helpful services is paramount to combating addiction. We work to bring the message of recovery to every addict, wherever and whenever it is needed. We believe that a powerful voice of recovery should be obtainable, practical, and at the touch of a button. Every addict deserves to hear a message of hope, and Podcast Recovery is here to provide it. All right. Well, one one last thank you to Chris. Thank you to Eric. And uh, we'll see you next week. Uh, ooh, like, subscribe, share. Yeah, do all that Go stuff. You know? Check us out on podcastrecovery.com, your apps, whatever. And, uh, yeah, stay safe, stay clean. <laughs>